From the beginning, we started Everyday Driver to help people find cars they will love. Commuting is a chore, but driving should be fun. If you like to drive, then there are cars where your budget, needs, and fun all intersect, and we want to help you find them. I'm Paul. I'm Todd, and this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We're excited to have you listening on our podcast. Yes, please keep listening. Every Tuesday will be podcast. Thursdays will be video. And here we are for another half hour with you uh, doing the car debate. Well, we've got uh, some very interesting things to talk about for this podcast. We've got the Drive channel, which has decided to go to the subscription-based model. So we can't wait to talk about that. We're also going to do, of course, the main reason we're here is the car debate. We've got a great question from a a viewer called uh, Betty in Canada. We're going to talk about, she actually has got a question for herself and for her daughter, so we're going to cover that as well tonight. Let's talk about the the Drive thing that happened this This week. This is uh, really interesting, and if you're following this podcast, you're probably very up on what's going on with the announcement that Drive has now gone to the subscription-based model and from what we can understand, that's because they can't make enough money because their YouTube support has been pulled. I, I don't want to. I don't want to overstep our knowledge here. I mean, the truth is, it, it looks like, and we're not on the inside. Let, let me let me give you a little bit, guys, a little bit of background. We know the guys over at Drive. Uh, I think they would acknowledge knowing us. I mean, JF is a friend of ours. We know yeah. Matt. Oh, we yeah. know Zach. We know a lot of those guys. Tom Morningstar. We've known them all yeah, a long, long they're time. They're a great group. So. Yeah, there, there, there are not. You will not find harder working guys doing video like that. I mean, we appreciate it on a whole other level because those guys work their asses off, and we know what they go through. But here's the thing: we don't really know the insides. In spite of being friends with them, we don't know the insides of what all is going on. What we understand, the same thing you guys understand. Looks like YouTube has stopped funding their uh, channel initiative starting beginning of 2013. Let's step out of drive for a second. If you're if you're watching Motor Trend, Motor Trend has gone to almost a trickle. Yeah, and that has to yeah. relate to the same thing. Now, I'm guessing here. I'm completely surmising. I don't know that that's true, but it seems to be the case. So you have the guys at Drive branching out to continue doing the great quality stuff they're doing, which obviously costs money, and uh, and this is the result. I mean, obviously there's the NBC deal, but this is the way for them to go forward on YouTube. And interestingly enough, I think this is kind of the audience creating their own hell. And I hate to say it that way. But, you know, we talked about ad blockers before. One of the things that's come up in this is how much ad blockers are just chopping off their revenue right at the knees. Yep. And the commentary that people are saying about, well, they don't want to they don't want to sit through an ad. You have to sit through five seconds. Maybe if you had sat through five seconds, you wouldn't have to pay for it now. I, mean, <laughs> I, I just I think it's I, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I do think that's an interesting scenario here. And um I, I, I will acknowledge right now, we as a show, we, we subscribed already. We, we are big fans of those guys. We want yep. to see what they're doing. Yep. We're curious about this because this is almost an experiment in a lot of ways. I hope it's an experiment that works. Well, but, to, I mean, to your they point. They are breaking new ground here. To your point, we, we don't know the full story. And that's why I say, you know, as far as we know, this is what we understand at this point. And, you know, it's something you and I talk about all the time is, you know, doing this for free versus, you know, putting on your producer hat versus produce, putting on your hat just, you know, I consume content as do you. We're watching this stuff too. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm going on to the Drive channel here. I'm looking at the discussion and, you know, we have talked about endlessly how much this is costing us, you and I. Mm-hmm. And this oh, yeah, audience yeah. Yeah. is absolutely having a cow and what i'm noticing is it is black or white there is no in between yeah. kind of yeah. maybe mulling over supporting the show it's either 
I mean, vitriol. I mean, there are some flat-out unnecessary comments on there, which yeah, I yeah, don't yeah, condone. Please, please don't quote, because then we'll have to, to click this podcast as explicit, because <laughs> explicit, I've exactly. read them too, and uh, we cannot not say quote what loud. is being said there, and it still be mentioned in cars in front of your children. Or, frankly, in front of your spouse, for that matter. I mean, there's yeah. some awful stuff here. I mean, that is not okay. That's just hiding behind the anonymity of the internet. And, you know, if mm-hmm. you're going to say that kind of stuff... And even, you know, some of them are borderline slanderous. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, that's just not necessary, especially for years they've been producing this content. And so the audience is freaking out. And some of these comments I'm reading going, I cannot believe that. Now, on one hand, do I want free content? Do I look at that, you know, as part of the Internet? Well, sure. But I'm noticing more and more, and especially with the iTunes model, that got everybody accustomed after the whole you know, years ago, Napster and that whole thing. Sure, sure, sure. That conditioned everybody, the iTunes model conditioned everybody to start consuming premium content at a cost, a low cost, but nevertheless, you're paying for it. You've got a good feeling Mm -hmm. that indeed you paid for good quality and people quickly got accustomed to it. And whether it's music or whether it's things like Netflix, people don't care. They pay eight bucks a month for Netflix and they're paying that kind of money. You're paying for Hulu content now, Amazon content, it seems to be the public is conditioned now and it's okay. And so I'm reading this and going, why is the audience freaking out now for great content? You know? Well, but there's there's a couple things going on. I hear you. And, 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 and I will say this. You are being far too logical for the average YouTube commenter that is making those vitriolic comments. Okay, maybe I mean, here, so. Here, here's, that's part of it. Because here's the thing. I agree with you. It's completely black and white. But I, I actually relate to this very personally because when I read this, it resonates with me exactly like what happened with us in two situations. When we tried Kickstarter and when we first posted our 9-11 piece about a year ago, we first posted that on YouTube for rental. Right. I got to right. say, both of those times. Now, here, here is the only major difference. Well, there's a few. But here's one of the most major differences between us and the Drive Channel guys besides scale and budget. Yeah. Those guys have always worked in some way, shape, or form. They don't. They don't do other things. Well, they kind of do. But but that all of the work they do for, be it even back in the days of Fastlane Daily, Next New Networks, they were getting some sort of paycheck, right? And that has allowed right. them, as their budgets have grown, to do some great stuff that is on a scale we can't afford. Every dollar we make goes back into the show. Thankfully, the show mostly pays for itself. We don't get paid for <laughs> <Mostly>. our time. <laughs> We don't get paid for our time. Yeah, Those yeah. guys have been getting paid for their time, as they should be. Uh, we would like to be. It's just the situation that we're in. But the minute that you say, hey, by the way, audience, this costs money, there is a contingent on YouTube that is just, it, it's the YouTube mindset. YouTube is supposed to be free. And so you put something that, that costs money, our, our 9-11 film, on yeah. YouTube, there is a contingent that just decides, well, you are the cause of the end of the world if you try to get YouTube to pay. Come on, yeah. guys. I mean, yeah. YouTube is a conduit, and YouTube it is is morphing, is changing as the conduit is changing to provide premium content. It is. So there's that thing, and people are not, they're not getting over the hump. The people that are getting over the hump, I feel like, and you're right, it's totally black and white, are the folks that realize, wow, this is hard to do. If I could go pick up a camera and do what these guys do, I'd be doing it. Right, But there's exactly. a reason that not everybody is. And in the course of that, both Todd and I have developed a very thick skin because, yeah, there's some comments that come through and very disappointing because, as we have said before, we read them all and we're looking at these comments. And so we make this this film and the comments start coming through. And as we started talking about, this was a sociological experiment because, again, the comments were black and white. And then at some point, I forget how far in, other people started to come to the defense 
to our defense and say, look, this had to have cost a lot of money. And where does that money go? Yep. Well, it goes to yep. fuel and food. And when we buy pieces of gear, it's generally something that's going to make our jobs faster, easier to produce content more quickly. So mm -hmm. it's not just frivolous expenses that are going to, we're, we're really penny pinching. And again, as Todd said, we're not making any money personally off this. So it's definitely a labor of love. But then there's this sociological, the, the, <laughs> you know, the group mentality coming through of yeah. some people yeah. just continuing to tack and hide behind it. Well, that's fine. You, you don't have to pay. That's not what we're saying. But, uh, you know, we're, we're curious about that continuing. And this seems to be setting a precedent. And certainly iTunes has, certainly Hulu and Netflix and all these premium content providers have started to set this precedent. Amazon Prime, yeah. for example, you can yeah. watch a lot of movies on there, but there's also a few that are premium and they want you to pay for. Does yeah. anybody have a problem with that? Not really. So well, and here's, here, this here's precedent the is note, interesting. Is the, 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 large, the large studios that, and I, and I have a background working at film studios, I'm not gonna bore all of us with that, but, but I, I do, and the thing is, those large studios have a lot bigger budgets, overhead, and capability to make money than the guys at Drive will ever have at their disposal. Certainly sure. more than we will ever have sure. at our disposal. Nobody's complaining about, I'm paying 20th Century Fox for this multi-million dollar movie, but these guys that are working their asses off to get content made, I have to pay them? What are you talking about? Yeah. It, it is, it's a sociological experiment. You get to see where people's blinders are. And I also think, here's the other thing, the number of people on YouTube, let's just stay with YouTube for a second, that make the stuff that frankly I could shoot in the next 10 minutes. Sure. It's, it's stuff where I'm sitting in the corner of my basement with a backdrop in the corner of my basement, a backdrop that I made. Yeah. I'm shooting it with a locked off camera, <laughs> and I've got a little a little box over my shoulder a la a newscast. Right, That's, right. you know, it takes the real time of recording it and maybe the real time again to edit it maybe two, three times more than that. But still, start to finish, you might take two hours to do that. You know, we're taking six to eight hours per car just to shoot it. We're taking 20 to 30 hours per car, per review, if you think about it, 10 minutes, for the edit. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, but the just sheer amount of time lost. I mean, what we, we have high expenditures in both time and money. And, and you so know, do the drive guys. And you can see the quality. Exactly. Do those guys deserve to get paid for their efforts? Absolutely. They're producing fantastic no quality. And so no for our content, we're in the same position. We can't produce more content without money. And mm. certainly we'd like to be paid for our time at some point. But we also tried Kickstarter and got the same yeah. hate and no yeah, money. And yeah. there was something that you noted that I found fascinating. This, you know, you're probably, most of you are familiar with the Kickstarter concept. It's either fully funded or you yeah. get nothing. It's either yeah. everything you wanted and maybe it hits the moon and you go to half a million dollars or however much and you yeah. get all this you money. You reach your goal and above and you get paid. If you don't reach your goal, and you, you get, paid. get nada. You get nothing. And so there's still these comments that came through with people saying, oh, well, I see you tried a Kickstarter. That does not automatically mean you get money. And <laughs> it's certainly not from yeah. a greed standpoint. It was in response to you, our viewers, saying we want more content more quickly. And Todd and yeah, I are thinking, yeah, yeah, how yeah. can we do this? And so we're breaking down Excel spreadsheets and going, all right, how can we do this? What is it going to mm -hmm. cost to produce this every two weeks instead of every three or every four? Yeah, so uh, yeah. the Kickstarter thing was quite an experience too, as you know. I mean, we had a good number of people. I mean, I'll be really candid about that. We had a good number of people that, uh, that did support us, but we only got about a third of the way to our goal. And we do have, like you're saying, we had people that got on and said, well, you got all that Kickstarter money and you're still asking for people yeah. to help you. Yeah. We, we got no Kickstarter money, folks. We got, we got nothing. nothing. 
And, and we are producing as fast as we can uh, with, based on the budgets that we have available and the time that we have available. If we were getting paid for more of our time, then guess what? We'd do other jobs less and put more time toward the show because we'd be paying our bills and we could do more. Now, there's, that, that puts us at a crisis of, of output, which mm-hmm. is essentially kind of where the drive guys are. Obviously, we're at a much smaller scale, but a crisis of output, which is the speed we go now, welcome. That's as fast as we can output on our current availability of time and money. So we are pursuing sponsors. We've always pursued sponsors. We're pursuing sponsors still. But the only other way it takes a tipping point is we either get a whole lot more viewers who, let's be candid, aren't using an ad blocker, or the audience steps up and supports. And that's what's brought drive to this tipping point. Mm -hmm. For Kickstarter, the response was so dark and awful in some cases that I have to be honest. The month we were on Kickstarter is the closest I I ever personally got to going, you know what? Forget it. It's it's not worth this. I'm done. That yeah. Kickstarter thing was very dark for me, and I I'm very glad it's behind us. I don't want to do Kickstarter again. Yeah, I agree. This whole drive thing though creates a really interesting discussion point about are is the audience going to be up for this? I mean, we have seventy thousand subscribers roughly. They've got one point two million. <laughs> um, if they get if they get ten percent of their audience to go with them they're going to have a really good production budget. Yeah, and I wouldn't absolutely. be surprised if they get that. I hope they do. They deserve it. Yeah, if we got absolutely. 10% of our audience, though, 10% of our 70,000 subscribers, 10% of that audience joined us. No, screw that. 1% of that audience joined us. <laughs> that amount of money would revolutionize our reality. But, I, but here's the thing, though. I don't want to do the subscription thing for our show. I really don't. Yeah, I, I don't actually either. mentioned patron. And I've looked into it a little bit. People have actually mentioned that to us. I'd be curious. You guys, all of this discussion we're rambling on now, all of this discussion honestly comes to this question. Yeah. What do you guys think? Should we do a patron thing? You have some other idea you think we should go for? Yes, we are pursuing sponsors. But the thing is, most sponsors want millions of views to, to back you. Sure, uh, sure. We're not at that place. We may get there, but we're not at that place. So, yes, we're pursuing sponsors. We will continue to do so. We'll continue to produce content as fast as we can. But if you guys really want, let's just say for sake of argument, us to double our output, let's say we have a video every two weeks for certain and maybe faster than that, something has to change. We don't want to put a subscription model. I, I actually don't want to do that. I don't think it works for our channel for our output level. Right, but right. Well, we're pretty this, maxed out as it is right now. We're spending yeah. every bit of money that we have back to the show, whether it's buying mm-hmm. gear or you know travel costs or fuel costs, Expensive. whatever that oh, is. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we're talking, Todd and I are talking about this possible mix. So your question is absolutely to the audience. And this patron, if you don't know what it is, I've been looking into it as well here. And this is a support per project. So it's not necessarily a subscription across the board because as you said, Todd, if you subscribe, whether you want to watch that video or not, you're paying for it. Patron's a little bit different in that you're just supporting whether it's music or the arts or whatever that is, it's per project. So that's an interesting thing. And so I'm kind of thinking, I don't want to go to a full subscription model either. What if there's some sort of mix or some sort of balance of pay? Because we want to continue doing high-end films for pay films, but we still want to continue doing our reviews for YouTube. I think that's mm-hmm. really where the sweet spot for us is. And again, this is what does the audience think? What do you guys think? What are we missing? What balance is something that tastes good to you? What what feels right uh, for what you know about us and where you think our sweet spot is? I'm very curious. Me, yeah, I agreed. I I, I want to hear. We're gonna we're gonna put this question on our Facebook page after this uh, this podcast posts. Please make your comments there. Let, let me be clear here for a, for a couple of things. Uh, 
you know, Drive Drive deserves to do this. Drive should do this. Yeah. We are not planning to do subscription. We're not planning to do that. I, I think the thing we're going to continue to do in the short term, we will we will always be doing YouTube videos. The thing we're going to do in the short term is continue to do at least one feature film, large scale piece a year that is for pay or rent. We may do a couple of those, but the thing that we think works there, and you tell us, the thing that we think works there is if you're interested in the piece, like 9-11s, great. If you're not interested in 9-11s, then you didn't pay for it. So right. don't watch it. That's fine. Right. Exactly. And we're going to do a few more of those kind of things where if it's if it's to your interest, please, please buy it or rent it because that actually helps us recoup our costs and do a big, bigger show the next time. So we may do more than one of those a year. It's going to depend on the content we can create. But we're going to keep the YouTube thing going. Uh, but is that something you guys want to support? Uh, I, I'm asking <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I Clearly, there's a large contingent of both our audience we've seen in the past and the Drive audience we're seeing the last couple days this that is... doesn't want to support anything at all. Gosh. No way. But here, give me very high-end content for free. Right. Uh, just that's the... that's offensive to some level. The vitriol just floored me. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's astounding. It's, it's kind of horrifying. Uh, but anyway, our... Uh, I'm right, so. just going to say here, kudos to the Drive guys for all the stuff they've done, for all the access they've yes, done. Yes, agreed. We agreed. appreciate them because they aren't just regurgitating the uh, the press launch stuff. We work hard to do the exact same thing. You notice we're not doing press launch videos. We're doing very unique stuff. And, uh, and so we really relate to their model. We feel kind of kindred spirits with them. <laughs> we're not operating at their scale, we're, we're but definitely we definitely not. appreciate where they are, and uh, and we hope that this is a, a actually a really good success for them. And we're curious to see how it affects the industry, and we're curious to find our own footing in what all this means. Agreed. So we feel like this this discussion is really just part one. The second part is yeah. you writing yeah, yeah, in yeah. and giving us feedback. So really, this we'll table this for now. We'll keep it going on future podcasts. Yeah. But we want yeah, to hear, and uh, we'll keep the discussion going on that. Yeah, what do you think of the whole drive thing? What do you think? So, yeah, I'm just I'm so intrigued to hear people's I thoughts. I am too. I am too. Yeah. Um, Granted, we're hearing it on the YouTube comments, but I'm <laughs> I'm hoping for a level of conversation slightly above that intellectually. Agreed. Uh, but for now, we'll keep going to the car debate mm-hmm. from uh, Betty in Canada. She wrote us recently. In fact, if you're thinking about this, if you're thinking about a car, I'm just going to go ahead and put this here. If you're thinking about a car, you want to get a car debate with us. Send us an email: everydaydrivertv at gmail. You can also find us through our website, everydaydriver.com, and you can even do it Facebook. Anywhere you can reach us, send us a message, but kind of be detailed. Tell us who you are, where you live, what kind of car you have right now, what kind of driver you are, what kind of car you you think you need. We'd like to know the car you're coming out of and the cars you're considering. With that information and a rough budget, we can go, all right, well, here's some things we think, and here's some things you should look at. Of course, we always want you to go drive them. Of course. And that's what's happened here with Betty from Canada. She wrote us uh, about uh, (laughs) her experience with lots of cars. Yes. Including the recent Mercedes SLK she and her husband fell in love with, promptly bought, and promptly spun in the snow in the winters in Canada and said, no more, no more of that car. We're moving on. What should we get? Well, so here's what Betty writes in. She's looking for an economical, winter-worthy car, certainly. She found she found the website. She stumbled across us. And, you know, looking back, that's really why Todd and I started doing this, because friends would ask us, hey, we're not, I'm not sure what, uh, what car to get next. Would you go to the dealership or will you go car searching for me and help me decide what kind of buyer I am. So here's Betty. She has driven VW Bugs, Ramblers. She lists MGBs, even a Mazda RX-7. And for a while, she had a 1982 Mercedes convertible. 
And uh, so I can I can see where you get the Mercedes uh, interest yeah, there, Betty. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yes, uh, not many of those cars that you list there are great for winter in Canada. They're certainly not that practical, and even though fun on roads, you know, in the summer, not not so great for Canada uh, in the winter. Well, I'm going to go on a tangent real quick about winter driving because because I live in the mountains and and I do have a Sabaru. It is a little all wheel drive wagon, and I love it. But I'll tell you, the reason that I survive the winters here is not because I have an all-wheel drive. It's because I have full-on winter tires. I, I, I would be perfectly happy for a Blizzak uh, <laughs> to sponsor the show because I tell people <laughs> about those tires all of the time. Uh, the Bridgestone Blizzaks are awesome. I If you're going to live anywhere where you have actual winter, all seasons are not enough. I have passed plenty of people in all-wheel drive cars that can't figure out why their wheels are spinning. It's not because I'm a good driver. It's because I have good winter tires. Well, yes. And I'm that not is, a person that, is part that would of the say, equation. You're a good driver, too. Absolutely. I, but. Well, okay. But 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 winter tires all day long. I mean, I've got I've got snow four months out of the year here. And, I, and the winters go on and they stay on. And I'm in a totally different world as a result. And when I have those, those random times, we had it happen this year in June, we got two inches of snow and I had my summer high performance tires on. That was the most terrifying <laughs> commute drive I've ever had because it was like, oh, this is not good. Anyway, so I'm, I'm not necessarily a person that says never buy rear wheel drive in the winter. I think if you want to buy rear wheel drive and put full snow tires on it, go for it. Now, in this case, Betty says they had, they had winter tires on it. However, the other thing that happens is there is an equation here about rear-wheel drive and how much power you have. At some point, you just have so much power that the winter tires are going to be overwhelmed. But that's my little tangent on tires. I'll stop boring you with a madness a tire geek moment. But let's talk about potential cars for Betty in the snow. I think we probably should lean rear-wheel drive based on her <clears throat> spinning experience. <laughs> well, so, uh, so what are your thoughts, I, my friend? I've got a couple suggestions here. And she's looking for two economical winter-worthy cars. And the reason she's looking for two is she writes in, says one for her daughter. She's a new driver. And, okay, she'd be happy with an older box. And one for Betty. And she wants it to be used. She buys cars a lot like Todd and I recommend cars. And that is, in many cases, used. Because there's so many deals to be found used. A couple-year-old car. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Betty's writing in. We agree. 18 months old, that's kind of the sweet, sweet spot. When people are getting out of a lease or they just get tired of it, they want to get out of it, move on for whatever reason, that is kind of the sweet spot. And there are a lot of options. And I've thought of two specifically okay. that are economical and winter worthy. And, and you're going to love one of them. I, <laughs> right. We've had debates about this car. So my first suggestion, because I noticed you are a former Mazda RX-7 driver, I thought, ah, Mazda, how about the CX-5? It's a small SUV. It's mm -hmm. very economical. It comes in all-wheel drive. Throw winter tires on it. You've got plenty of space. I would say it's pretty stylish. I really like the direction Mazda has taken the styling. Sure, sure. And it's going to be pretty economical and cheap to run. So that might be, well, I'm, I'm not sure uh, uh, <laughs> for, for whom you're looking for. You'll take these suggestions, and Betty, you decide uh, which car you want to match up with which driver. But... Uh, well, that's interesting because I, I, I have the Mazda CX-5 on my recommendation list as well, but not for Betty. 
specifically for her daughter. Yeah, I think it would be a great car for her daughter. The thing that I see in Betty's list, and I want to come back to to a couple others for her daughter as well, but the thing I see on Betty's list is she likes cars that have got a little bit of style. She clearly Mm -hmm. likes German cars. A Mercedes SLK is, I mean, she says economical here, but a Mercedes SLK is not a, I have 10 grand, I'm going to buy a Mercedes. That's still a fairly expensive car, especially if you have a recent one. So that tailored my recommendations quite a bit. I was thinking, okay, Betty wants something nice, and she's got a little bit of money to spend to have something nice. So my recommendations are much higher than the CX-5. All right. I have two, both used. All right. Both used. What are your recommendations? One is the Audi S5. Interesting. All-wheel drive. It is definitely a sexy car. That Honestly, I saw one... Just the other day, a brand new one. They've got they've changed their halo headlights a little bit. Brand new one. That is just a pretty looking car. Yeah. Now it's yeah. still good in A5. It's still all wheel drive. It still feels pretty good. It's nice to drive. The S5 is a lot of fun. It's not my favorite in the segment, but it is a great car because of that all wheel drive, and it is great looking. I think it's one of the best looking cars in that segment. And they've been around long enough. You could find a really good used deal. Great interior. I don't think you'd feel like you stepped down in interior qualities from Mercedes. I mean, it it feels like a competitor to that class of vehicle, but yet it's all-wheel drive, very fast, sexy. I would drive one of those year-round very happily. Really great. That is interesting. Those are nice. Probably fantastic in the snow. I I have little doubt. I have little doubt. And my other one, I went even higher than that. Oh, really? Wild card. Wild card. But, Betty, have you thought about a used... 911 Carrera 4S, a 997 model. So something around a 08 or a 2010 4S, all-wheel drive, 911. Interior is great. Reliability actually will be good. Now, you're going to have to go older than you'd like. You can't go as early as 2012 and get you know under 50 grand. But if you go an 08, a 2010 with 50 grand in your pocket, you could walk away with a nice 4S. That would be a fantastic grand, car. Those are still going to be north of 50 grand. Those are expensive cars. I, I don't Even know. Even 08, 2010, I've, I've, those are I've looked it up, my friend. 70 grand. Easy. I've looked it up, my friend. Every I bit don't know it. that I agree with you. I'm not sure. Don't know I agree nice... with you. I don't know what they cost in Canada, but I, I, I did a little research. Uh, I did a little. Okay. The internet was my friend. 50 grand. But, and don't get me wrong. You're, I think this is the, you're this gonna is struggle. the upper level of discussion. I don't know how far Betty can or wants to reach, but I got to tell you, you know, you get yourself into an 08 or so, 08, 09, and even a 2010. I mean, the thing about the 911, it's twofold. The thing about Porsches in general, and Paul could speak to this better than me, but when you have to actually maintain them, they are not cheap. This is true. But, but they are reliable. It's not a German car that is going to have random gremlins, like some older German cars will. It is a car that will be very reliable. It will just be expensive when it does need something. So it's not a car to get into with trepidation of, is it all going to go wrong? It probably won't. But it will cost you money when you have to do stuff. But the Carrera 4S is my real wild card. Because if you shopped right, there might be one out there. And that would be sexy and fun and all-weather awesome. <laughs> that is that is all of those things except for the price. I am not convinced. Yeah. Betty, if you find one for fifty grand. Will you please write back and tell me that you did? Mm-hmm. Prove me wrong, <laughs> because if you find one for that price, I will be shocked. Porsches well, retain okay. their value. They do. They really they do. do. So, Betty, if, if you can find one in your game, that's quite a recommendation, and, and I, I like that. I was thinking German as well. I was, I was thinking along the lines of Mercedes, because you also like Mercedes. You had a couple of them in there. Yeah. And yeah. any of the Germans offer all-wheel drive in their sedans. Audi offers it, of course, sure. in the, the A5 and the S5 and the Coupe. But BMW, Mercedes, they certainly offer the all-wheel drive as well. 
fantastic cars. You know, you get that mm-hmm. real great German build quality, and it's definitely a lot more stylish than anything else. So, yeah. I, I would. My brain went to Mercedes, something all-wheel drive in the Mercedes lineup. Whether it's an SUV or whether it's a car, Mercedes actually offers quite a bit in that range, and they're really getting more and more into the formatic uh, offerings. Uh, so you could probably find something in there, but uh, yeah, something and the three stylish. Series, three Series X Drive is uh, is pretty decent. The X Drive in general, they've got a little. I mean, they've got a little softer, higher ride height than the normal. 3 Series, but the 3 Series X-Drive all-wheel drive is decent. I yeah, just, yeah. I don't know. I, I respond to the fact that I, I look at the past car ownership of Betty, and I just see somebody that wants to have something with a little bit of style, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, all right, yep. all right, I don't know how far you want to stretch, but let's talk that through. And you cannot go wrong with a 997-911. If you've seen our film, I'm a big fan. Yeah, yeah, they're and, great. Uh, they're great. The S5, we have both lusted after. It is a very, very cool car. <laughs> it's... Yeah, it's it's quite nice. And uh, as a matter of fact, the one we drove, we drove at in Utah during the winter time, and Absolutely, and it yeah. just it feels nearly unbeatable in the winter. I mean, of course, no car can overcome physics, but man, it's it's something else. You have just got that confident feeling on just about any surface. Such a fantastic car. So let's let's talk about more recommendations for her daughter, new driver. So what I what I hear when I read her description of her, her daughter needing a, a car, happy with an older box, as Betty describes it, I just I see something that needs to be not that expensive, not that expensive. If let's be honest, something bad happens and it gets wrecked, uh, and but yet I also think of this. Her daughter is probably not going to want to drive a terrible car. True. A car that she just goes, that's ugly and I hate well, it. That, nobody that's does. just a fight you don't want to have as a parent. So, well, hopefully nobody does, <laughs> but I think a lot of people do. People do buy, like, the Nissan Leaf. They do. And they have they bought buy the, the Fiat 500L. Yeah. People buy that car. Okay, sorry, I'm off track. But, <laughs> They're uh, all over Europe, so anyways, by the way. <laughs> oh, They're all the rage. Oh, They're all the rage. Oh, that's just, <laughs> you know. That car, I, I, I'm sorry, I have to stay there. The, the Fiat 500L makes the Panamera into a beauty queen. <laughs> Agreed. Although I already the thought the Panamera, Panamera was a beauty queen, so you got me there. That's the thing. I, but I never really thought the Panamera was all that attractive, but the Panamera is gorgeous when you realize the Fiat 500L exists. <laughs> I think, yes. what did you call that 500L in comparison to its uh, to the 500? It's like its lumpy fat it, sister, you know, the, the hottie and just, the naughty kind terrible. of thing. It's terrible. It's 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 just okay. I have to I have to I have to step away. Okay, so for your daughter, uh, you're in Canada, all wheel drive, something halfway decent that's going to run really well. I, I it's obvious. I have to say it. It's practically the official car of the Rocky Mountains in the U.S. Subaru, 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 Subaru. Pick something out of the Subaru lineup. It will be reliable. It will run until the earth stops turning. It is cheap to maintain. All wheel drive. Throw some winter tires on that. It would be great in any condition now. Yeah. They're not necessarily attractive, and they don't have great interiors. But if your daughter is interested in anything in the Subaru lineup, uh, I mean, you can obviously do the non-turbo and the turbo. You've got a million options there. Yeah. yeah. And you, you in a, for an all-weather, all not-that-expensive, first-timer car in a winter area, I would say, done. Subaru. Great. It, it is kind of the car, the official car of Maine, and probably uh, anything north of there, probably where you live, Betty. So, yeah, Subarus are nearly bulletproof. They run in spite of you. I mean, I don't even know if you have to change the oil ever. I think it's now just 
for 30 years. Change it once every 30 years, I think. Something along This is lines. not a recommendation to, disru- <laughs> to not treat your car well. Please change your oil. Yes. Anyway. No, I, I agree. But let's be honest. Your daughter probably is not going to be super on top of car maintenance. So you're going to want something that's going to run. And, you know, if you get to it, fine. Yeah. It's, it's still going to keep running. And... Uh, you throw winter tires on that, you can drive up the side of Mount Everest, no problem. I, I think there's a super dealership yeah. on the top of Mount Everest, as a matter of fact. Possibly. Possibly. So. Because this is your daughter and she's a new driver, I'm going to throw out a couple other things. Now, you mentioned the Mazda CX-5 earlier. I think that is a great choice. All-wheel drive Pretty version economical, that, yeah. Hugely so. I mean, that, that, that four-cylinder in that car, that uh, sky-active thing they do, feels like a turboed four. It's not, but it feels like it. It's got a good amount of power. Decent and all-wheel mm-hmm, drive. You mm-hmm. can now get a larger engine option in there, which actually is a little bit better because the car is not light. But even in four-cylinder in all-wheel drive, it's not bad. I would recommend the Mazda CX-5 to a new driver who wants something cool with a little bit of style but yet is just cheap, reliable. I'd, I'd recommend it yeah, all day long. Yeah. I think it's a great choice. A uh, couple more recommendations, Betty, for your daughter, and that is the newer Ford Escape, uh, also the Ford Kuga in Europe. Uh, not the prior bland box body style i can't stand that one but the newer ford escape i think they've done a great job as far as style and you can get that as an all-wheel drive car and also have you thought about the volkswagen tiguan if you're looking for something german instead of japanese Mm -hmm. maybe the volkswagen Tiguan, a little bit smaller suv but also all-wheel drive spacious it's going to be fine and could be an interesting option and used both of those are in the 25 ish maybe 30 somewhere in there so again pretty economical and inexpensive to operate so a few choices for you there betty uh subarus will cost you a buck and a half to buy and maintain, <laughs> and maintain anyway yeah. uh, <laughs> well you know this <laughs> yeah, exactly it's like oh hey it needs oil all right, all right. five bucks lunch <laughs> cool i'm gonna throw out two other options sorry you had another option though didn't you uh you know i was <laughs> i was thinking about this Wild card, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've got a couple. You're of gonna cards. laugh because also German, well, German built, but okay, okay. We keep joking about this is the car that we're trying to figure out who buys this thing, and maybe I found it. It is the Mini Paceman. It's a four-wheel drive, <laughs> four-door. I knew you'd love this. <laughs> it's a two-door. It's not even a four-door. Excuse it's me. The, uh, it's, you're right. The pacement it's a, is two. It's an inflated coupe. The, uh, the Countryman is the four-door. It's an inflated mini coupe. That's right. The Countryman oh. is the four-door. That's what I was thinking. But the Paceman, yeah. Who buys this car? Well, it could be all-wheel drive. You can get it with a fairly hot engine and could be kind of different. <laughs> you're not going to see yourself coming and going because That's nobody true, buys this car. Really? <laughs> However, yeah, okay, all right, all right, You're, yeah, that's a good wild card. I'm gonna throw out two wild cards, Betty, for your daughter, because I'm just thinking, okay, daughter, uh, girl in high school, wanting to drive a car, probably want something a little bit of style and a little bit of statement. Maybe that's not possible. Maybe that's not gonna happen. And that's why we've had the recommendations we've had so far. However, I'm gonna throw out two, and I will admit they're both kind of left field oddball, but I think they could be good first time cars. I'd put a, a kid in either of these for first timer, and uh, and they are a little bit interesting. One. Used Jeep Wrangler. Yeah, that's an interesting choice. Yeah, I, there's something that is just interesting and attractive and cute about a girl that drives a Jeep Wrangler. There just is, and a lot of girls really like them. Great all-wheel drive system. Obviously, could drive over the earth twice and not look back. I mean, yep. you can get it in all kinds choice. of varieties of yep. engine and uh, tires. And I mean, they're they're mostly bulletproof. That all if you get an older one with the old uh, inline, uh, what is it, the four-liter six. 
that engine is you know, oh, yeah. like one of the yeah. great Yeah, if you're going to buy a Jeep Wrangler, ever, don't run. get any engine but that 4-liter. Gobs of power. Well, you, what, you have to, of what you have to do is you have to skip the V6 that they did after that. They had a V6 right after that that was terrible. Yeah. And now they have a V6 that's halfway decent. I forget the, the designation of how big both those engines are. One's like a 3.5 and one's a 3.8 or something. But there's an engine in the middle between the 4-liter and the current V6 that's a dog. Yeah. Avoid that. Yeah. Short of that, that'll you could go old into a 4-liter, you know, $5,000 Jeep Wrangler, put a hard top on it, make sure the heater works, drive that year round. That could be fun. <laughs> that's a thought. Make sure the heater works. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And then my other wild card is... I've gone rear-wheel drive. Mazda Miata. I would put a first-time driver in a Mazda Miata all day long. They're not overly powerful, so you can't get yourself in too much trouble. They they teach driving dynamics because they're so well-balanced. Okay. They're cheap to own. They're cheap to buy. I will acknowledge not on the winter. that car in the winter. That car in the winter can be questionable. Now, I've, there are a lot of people that do it. Good winter tires on it. Wait in the back. Because that car's not overly powerful... I don't see that as being a spinning monster in the winter, but I will acknowledge <laughs> I'm out monster. in left field. <laughs> well, seriously, I, I will acknowledge I'm out in left field here with a car that is that is the one that is the the most sporty and the least winter friendly. I acknowledge that. Yeah, but, I'm I'm gonna say Miata is good for first time drivers, but I will say in the winter and for because you're a first time driver in the winter in the snow, I'm not sure that I, I would agree with that one. But okay. kind of cheap, right. yeah. I'm just uh, I'm wild I'm wild carding, man. I'm swinging wild for the cards are good. Uh, we're we're open to <laughs> for various choices, but I think you've been nailing some choices here, except for that one. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna say let's throw that one out and back up just a minute because yeah, okay. Miata right. in the winter. Hey, that's fine. Uh-uh. That's fine. I, I can't I can't win them all. Plus, you're never gonna agree with me all the time. Anyway, <laughs> are we kidding? So anyway. we can't. I, I think it's our nature. I I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Betty, just can't get there. You've got quite a few choices here, and would you? We've beat it to death. <laughs> we have. I'd say uh, we're curious to know where this is going to end up because there's been so many cars true. talked about here. So, write back. I'm curious to to hear what you and your daughter drive and end up deciding on. So please write back. Why don't we wrap this up? What is it? Four hours long now. There it are is. two different car debates uh, in completely different categories. That I actually am glad we did that. That was kind of fun. So you can find us at EverydayDriver.com. Of course, we're on Twitter, Everyday Driver. We're on Facebook, Everyday Driver. This is the, this is when I see how many times I can say this, Paul. Uh, of course, you've now found <laughs> us on iTunes for the podcast. By the way, oh, on yes. the podcast, please give us a rating. You giving us a rating, you engaging on iTunes about the podcast, giving it a rating, giving it a review, that's how it kind of percolates to the top. That's how other people find it as a podcast. It's not how many listeners as much as it is how much response. So if you were to give us any kind of review on there, that'd be very helpful. Uh, and join us on YouTube. Guess what? YouTube, Everyday Driver. Uh, this is there, there's, there's <laughs> a trend great. here. I'm noting. <laughs> well, I'm noting. Yeah. I, I will thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. And let us know where you're listening to this podcast from. I'd be curious if you're listening to us on the car and commute. Let us know. That'd be great. Or if you're listening to us on an airplane or while you're exercising, you're jogging. Curious to know what's uh, going on while as you're listening to this. And uh, hope for helpful. And coming back to the question we started with, I just want to touch on it real quick. What are your thoughts on the Drive subscription model? And what are your thoughts for what you would like to see happen to our show here? We're just curious. And we will follow up with that. We're going to read the Facebook comments. We read all our comments anyway. Read our Facebook comments uh, from you guys in the next week or so. And we will respond and come back to this topic. Thank you guys again for hanging out with us and for listening. Thanks, everyone.